0: Well, good morning, everybody. Um, I'm just going to be honest with you that uh, we're going to maybe have to buckle our seatbelts because there's a lot of material that I want to try to get through today. And uh, the last two Sundays that I've been here, and I've heard that in Pastor Eric's heart, that we've talked about kind of a, a larger picture of the church and where God is trying to change and transform our thinking of the way we view things. And uh, so, just by way of review, just one minute, we've talked about the church devoting itself to the apostles' teaching. And then we introduced the second thing as it said, they focused on the fellowship. And to be honest with you, when I was studying this, I always looked at that. Based on our English translations, I always looked at that word as a verb, so I want to learn how to fellowship, the action of fellowshipping better. But I was kind of stunned when I started studying that in the Greek New Testament, it is not a verb that is used there, it's the noun. And the definitive article of the is there. And so what they devoted themselves to was the apostles' teaching, and then there was a revelation that came to the early New Testament church, that they were something special that never existed before. And of course, you know, when we taught on that message, we talked about election, God's calling, His choice of us, His justification of us, you know, His predestination of us, and all those you could teach an entire year on all of those subjects. But I think what the early church was capturing and that's what we've been in this series that even once a month we've been trying to kind of roll out is recapturing the church's lost identity. Somehow in the 2,000 years of the existence of the church we've got things complicated and in the middle of all that complication of trying to be the people of God that belong to God we've lost our understanding of what God desired us to be unto him and not only that, but to each other. And so we talked about that God looks at us as the family of all families, the fellowship of all fellowships, something so unique and particular that He would create a platform for it, and that He would choose for Himself people that we would not have thought that they would be on the team. And I love that. I love Paul and First Corinthians chapter 1, when he said, you know your calling, brethren, that not many mighty. And and this is one of the key points before we read our scripture this morning. God's thoughts and his ways are so vastly different than what we've been immersed in. And even in the church, because of the complexity and, and sometimes us missing the forest because of the trees and And uh, just the influence of the world and pride and fear even upon our thinking and the culture then that even exists in the church where it, it reflects something that's more religious than it does godly. That all this, you know, in the middle of all of that complexity that, you know, the way God does things, he's wanting to show us a different way and he's wanting us to show us the way of love and he's really wanting to give us to back to the main thing making the main thing the main thing and i know this church has really for a long time you know taught on the issue of identity but really my relationship with god my relationship with myself i mean you know you have to have a relationship with yourself because we either love or we either hate ourselves we are either accepting of ourselves or we're you know, disowning and rejecting ourselves, But then with others, we're either loving, accepting, forgiving, embracing. All of those things, my relationship with God, my relationship with myself, my relationship with others, are all determined based upon me abiding, receiving, responding. I love that term, immersion, immersing myself in the love of God. Because in the presence of God... And in abiding in love, then all of a sudden I understand that God is, is for me, not against me, and that there is a wide open way for me to have deep connected intimacy with Him. And then I get over my insecurities and my fear issues, and I get over my rejection issues, and I get all over, and I start understanding that God didn't create junk. That we are the workmanship and i love what pastor eric said he said we are the revelation of the glory of god and 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 this is how i say sometimes we make things complicated for years we've said god we want to see the glory of god only to miss the point that the glory cloud is in existence and in attendance in every church service and that cloud of glory is the people of God. Now, I believe in the Shekinah when God comes and He reveals Himself in different ways. But let's not miss the substance of the dwelling place of God, the substance of the revelation of the glory of God, by dismissing the glory in and upon His people and ask, look for some other sign and wonder. Okay? And so you are an expression of Jesus Christ. That's glory. You are an expression of the very person of God himself. That is glory. When you you look up glory, it just simply means the revelation of the expression of the person of God. Well, I want you to know that's what you are. But then that final thing, when we walk and bask and abide in love, our relationship with God Uh, invites us into intimacy and going with him in places in relationship that we never thought. And then that wholeness that comes to ourself. But then also I'm able then to begin to love you the way you need to be loved, the way you should be loved. And the way you should be loved is God wants me to love you in exactly the same way that he loves you. Not that I'm the source of God's love for you, But God is creating multiple means, multiple channels for you to get the message that you're loved by God. You are the beloved. You are accepted in the beloved. And that God is pursuing you and drawing you and beckoning you and welcoming you and inviting you and embracing you and hugging you and kissing you and and, uh, surrounding you with just that canopy of love where we live and abide In Him, we live and abide in love. And so God is really wanting us to recapture some things that have been lost. One other point that I want to make before we read the verse this morning that I'm going to focus in on, and then I felt like Eric really wanted me to not focus on larger issues, but finally distill it down in some very practical ways of, okay, Lynn, what does this look like? And I'm going to try to do that in the grace of God. And really, it's not the way I'm wired because I'm more of a big picture guy. And uh, and it's like, don't bother me with all the details. I trust the Holy Spirit will make that context for you. How many of you had a context this week where you had to walk in love? Ooh, man. I, I just shared the word last week about how that we can you know, preach to others, and we ourselves, if we don't walk out what we're preaching, you know, we ourselves can feel like a castaway. And I want you to know, I got, I got a big test this week, and, uh, <laughs> and hopefully I did good, and uh, maybe I'll share it with you if we have time, but we'll see. But I do want to just kind of paint a, a larger backdrop of why the message of us maturing in love is so important. And obviously, this is not the focus of where we're just saying, okay, let's focus our attention on uh, receiving love and reciprocating that back to God or us just receiving God's love and being healed. What we're focused on this morning is how I can get that love that I've been receiving through me out to others, okay? Jesus came to... The city of Jerusalem, and the Bible says that from his vantage point when he looked over the city, that it says that Jesus stated this comment. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, and he said it with such an aching, broken heart. He said, if you would have only known what belonged to you in the days of peace, but you would not have it. And what that tells me is that the Lord, in His foreknowledge, could look and see what life could be for the people of God if they had different responses and decisions. And I believe that there were two futures for Jerusalem. One in which they could see what God was sending to them. They could see what the Lord was wanting to give them. They could see what He was wanting them to become to Him and how He wanted to use them and bless them and empower them. If they could only receive God's love who was coming in the person of Jesus Christ, but they refused to be loved by the Father through the Son. Can you imagine that? One lady who was... uh, in church history is known as a, as a great Christian mystery a mystic she said the tragedy is love is not loved because love is something that really is so penetrating most of us we say we want to be loved but yet we avoid it <laughs> and so you know this is not to discourage us but this that I'm trying to encourage us to continue the labor of love Paul said remembering your labor of love how many of you know that love is hard work and it's a process and I, I I appreciated the analogy of sometimes it is just measured in inches that are gained not yards not a first down but in inches where we contend and saying God While I'm trying to walk out love, and and in that process of walking out love with a a brother that has wounded me or a brother that has troubled me, that I understand that it's not just him that I'm trying to reach, but the process of walking through love is actually for me, because we're always going to have people trouble us, and we're always going to have people that wound us. But after a while, when you mature in love, the things that used to wound us and trouble us will trouble us so much less. They don't have an ability to reach in and wound us as deep as they used to. But the important part is is that we've got to be willing to be vulnerable and risk allowing God to take us through that process to mature His love in us. And the stakes are high, and that's the point that I wanted to get to, the second point. The stakes are high because none of us want to stand before the Lord of glory. And I don't know what judgment day totally is going to be like. But I've often thought, I wonder if, as believers, we are going to be shown what might have been if our decisions would, not have, would be different. If we would have chosen to forgive and to do the hard work of love, if we would have chosen not to quit or chosen not to give up, what might have been? And so we need to understand that the stakes are high. You know, and this is a challenge for all of us. I said this last week. I talked about how that this church I know has a mantle of And there is a standard, and for years I know God planted that standard to contend for the supernatural. But I know that the supernatural is only going to manifest when we have the maturity to handle that type of power. And the way that power is stewarded is in a context where faith works by love. God's not going to heal people that we don't really love. (laughs) Otherwise, if it's just about the healing, it's going to be about who's doing the healing. And us trying to feed ego and create platforms for ourselves to where we can say, look at me. And God is not about us creating platforms where he says, I want you to look at this person. He said, if I be lifted up, I draw all men unto myself. And I know that the only way those motives are purified and and all those ambitions become sanctified, those desires is when God really begins to give us the heavenly perspective. I would hate to be in front of the Lord and and He tells me, And we need to contemplate these things. We need to think upon these things. I would hate to stand before the Lord. And he said, Lynn, I I desire to use you. If you would have only have known what belonged to you on the days that you walked the earth. And then maybe showed you individuals that their lives could have been changed if only. Now, I'm not trying to guilt trip you, but there are some people that really, really need Jesus right now. There's some people in wheelchairs that doctors have told them they'll never walk again, but they need you. And they need you to function in a level where God brings us together as the people of God in love, but it's a unity that creates a maturity where Christ stands up in the midst of his people and is able to do great and powerful things. I would not want one invalid, one paralyzed person, one person bound in a wheelchair, one blind person One person that has a mental uh, disability that in this city, God was desiring to use them as a token of his grace and to reveal his power through them. But they could not get what God wanted to get to them because of our inability to be a people of love. So the stakes are high. And so when it comes down to saying, a this is going to be hard work and this is going to be a... A great labor, a great process. I'm willing to get on the potter's wheel and I'm allowing God to reach deeply into this piece of clay and to shape me into that vessel of love and not just me, but in relationship to the rest of the body that He's forming to where I understand it's important for me to love you and that if I'm struggling with that that I I say the other priorities are important my ministry is important me finding my niche in life is important me doing all these other things that I can do and that's why I'm gonna read the text that I'm gonna read but the greatest and the highest priority for me is to make sure I love God love myself But I cannot minimize the third one. I've got to make sure that I'm getting my relationships right. Because eternal destinies are at stake. And so the Lord wants me to pose a question to you, New Covenant What belongs to you in the day of your visitation? How many people will be healed because you were willing to yield? to give up pride, And, and let me say this, when you enter into the walk of love, it costs you everything. Is every reconciliation process, as you contend for your heart, to detox out of the bitterness and the envy and the strife and the division and the wounds, and I understand they're real and it's all painful. I'm not telling you the outcome of every one of those processes is going to come out and making you feel good you may feel like you lost but actually you gained (laughs) Paul told the Corinthian believers that were so arrogant and petty they were taking each other to court you go we don't do that in the church today oh just go to Facebook and go to YouTube And it may not be in front of Judge Judy, but we have social platforms where we are waging war with our case. Instead of doing what the Bible says, I like that, what the Bible says. (laughs) And we think that there's not going to be consequences for that. And just in your moment of pettiness and arrogance, you shoot out that Facebook thing to fire an arrow because you didn't have the courage to go through a reconciliation process yourself face-to-face with that person. You shot your arrow out there. But that arrow didn't just strike the target that you were intending. It infected so many other people. And I'm telling you right now, I I sense that thing of the, the Lord where he's so grieved because he said these seven things that I hate and the last one that he says that God despises is those that sow discord, disunity. Because Jesus said, my prayer that I pray before I leave this earth in a high priestly ministry is Father, make them one. And the unity is not for unity's sake but the unity is so that there is this revelation of glory that goes out to the earth that can only be possible when the church becomes the fellowship that's in one accord and in unity, walking in love, maturing in love and it being so difficult to do because how many of you know there's some pockets of pride in me that need to dry up. (laughs) And there's some Abscesses and places that are infected that contaminate the river. And so God help us to make sure that 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 we understand the stakes are high and that we're willing to continue to take the risk. And Paul said to them, he said, You know, you take each other to the law court, and he said, I'm telling you, it would be better for you just to take the loss. Can we all say that together? Take the loss. And the reason why you're unwilling to take the loss is you don't believe that God, you do not believe in God. You go, no, I'm a believer. No, you don't. You may believe that God does certain things, but you obviously don't believe that God can make up for whatever you have lost. That God is the great equalizer. He's the great compensator. He's the one where if you feel like something has been taken from you, you believe that that person is now in debt and they must repay because they're the only one that can pay it back. And I say, if you will let it go, watch God. You know, bring deliverance to you, bring provision to you, bring blessing to you in ways and from direction and sources that you never dreamed possible. Now, I'm going to make another little comment real quick. You know, some of you go, well, I'm not going to get engaged in any process to deal with the hard work of love that really, when it gets down in nuts and bolts, that means i got to talk to people and I've got to try to understand people and I've got to try to adjust my perspective of people and I've got to work through the issues and all those things. That means I've got to spend time with them dealing with tough stuff. And you go, I'm just, I don't want to waste my time. Well, the fact is that, yes, you'll spend four to five hours processing how you're going to Walk in self-control and not be rude and watch your tone and be careful of your motive. And and you'll have to spend time on your face before God to have a one-hour conversation with someone that you've wanted to avoid. Hello. So it takes time to prepare yourself to go into that type of meeting. But I tell you what, five, six hours of time are far better than a hundred hours that you will spend arguing and rehearsing and retorting and re-arguing and obsessing and cursing and, and reworking that person over and over and over and over in your mind. A hundred hours of time that is wasted forever. And that's exactly the strategy of the enemy. And then when you're done You know, executing that person because you know the 100 hours, that's the point. Trying the case, working it through the system. They come back with some fairly good arguments and their case is dismissed. You appeal again to a higher court. Finally, you have the devil as the judge so you know he gives a conviction. Yeah, and you got your posse and they got the noose already. Listen, that 100 hours of that rehearsing and arguing and cursing and the vile and the bitterness and all the things that are there, it leads to that person's death. Not physically, but in your heart. You're dead to me. (laughs) And I tell you what, love may be hard, but it's the easiest thing to spare your life from misery. Now one more thought and then we'll read the text. The Holy Spirit spoke to me some time back. And man, when he said it to me, it hit me like a ton of bricks. He said, you know what? The devil was even dissatisfied in a perfect environment. I thought, oh my Lord. Sin began in heaven. So if you don't deal, because most of the time it's everybody else's fault, isn't it? And if we just had this person out and this person in. <laughs> if we just had this rearranged and we could change the environment. We keep working to change the environment to get back to that place of perfection. In, you know, To where heaven is on earth. And so... Our heaven is that nobody opposes us. Nobody has problems with us. And, and it just everybody is there just going, you're perfect. The point is to not make you God. And that was Satan's problem. He was dissatisfied in a perfect environment. And he thought you know, it would be even more perfect. He tried to perfect the perfection of God by saying... The only thing that's missing here is I'm not God. I tell you what. It's not changing the environment. It's allowing God to change you. It's all got to begin in here. In this environment that's in me. And either we're expanding heaven on earth. We're either expanding the kingdom of light. We're either expanding the lordship of Jesus by being under that lordship. I can't. I cannot export what I don't have inside. So if I'm not under the sovereignty of the lordship of Jesus and I'm yielded to him and he says, walk in the way of love and you will live. And I go, yes, Lord. Only you have the words of life. That's tough. I don't want to walk in love. I don't want to do that. It's it's against my carnal nature. I want to keep debts. I want to keep records. I want to be bitter. I want to have people pay me back for what they've done to me. Eye for eye, tooth for tooth. And some of you, your translation, you like the expanded version. Toe for toe, leg for leg, arm for arm. And then again, eventually, eye for eye, eventually after every tooth in their head is missing, every eye plucked out, every ear lopped off, every toe missing, every hand missing, every arm and limb and appendage missing, then you go, I want their head too. You're either increasing the kingdom of light, which is a kingdom of love, or you're increasing that kingdom of fear and pride. And pride is that kingdom where you have to rule and be in control and you become your little, the god of your own little world. And everybody is a subject. Or you're in that world of fear where you continue to say to yourself, I'm unwanted, they don't love me, they don't appreciate me. I'm unwanted, I'm undesired and that something someone's always taking advantage of me and then you keep those calculations that well they didn't you know they should have given me that but they didn't because they didn't want me and you're either advancing that and so it's it's contagious it's toxic and it multiplies and it festers and because we don't do it according to the word then it gets into the family of God and I've seen things where God was using churches mightily. And there were people that had struggles in that church. Leaders that had struggles. And people that had struggles. And I'm talking about sin issues. But God was doing powerful things. You know why? Because the people were just ignorant there. They were ignorant of what people were doing. But guess what? Because love was reigning, faith was released. Faith works by love. But it's interesting how knowledge can contaminate. And then all of a sudden we start outing the people and their weakness. Did you hear about this, brother? Did you hear about that, sister? And then once that gossip and that toxins go out, what we do is even though that person may have touched that individual powerfully, they no longer can reach that heart because now they've been defiled. I think it's interesting when love covers the multitude of sins, how faith is still in operation and God still is able to do what he does. But all of a sudden that carnal knowledge, that knowledge that gets into that thing of exposing and, and we think that we're bringing to light. But actually what we're doing is we're allowing darkness to begin to create and envelop the people of God. Where we're no longer seeing the Lord. We're just seeing fallen nature and condition of man you'll never be used of God if all you see yourself after the flesh the way you overcome and start being used in the supernatural is you understand who God made you to be and what he's making you to be in him then all of a sudden you begin to be confident in what God has done in and through you in the new creation well it's the same thing and I don't want to repeat what I repeated last week. Well, I've got to understand, this man is a king. This man is the aristocracy in the future in heaven. And so I've got to look past that veil of flesh, and I've got to see him after the Spirit and know him. I tell you what, we've got to cultivate a new generation with that mindset. Not to fuel a pride, but fuel a dignity. And if we feel dirty, we live dirty. But if we feel clean, we live clean. See, I believe by, by declaring and prophesying and, and, you know, the pure in heart see God. When we have an undefiled heart and an undefiled spirit about us, I'm able to see things about this man where I'm not just looking at all of the, the faults and the blemishes and the wrinkles. Hello? But the pure in heart, when I keep my heart clean, my heart pure and i'm seeing things through the light of the glory of god i'm able to see god in this man hello now you say well does that mean that if this brother is practicing sin we just give him a pass no there is a process in love for erring brothers okay you guys ready good <laughs> i want you to turn over to first corinthians chapter 13 First Corinthians chapter 13. If I speak in the tongues of men and of angels and have not love, I'm only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and I fathom all mysteries... Not just some, all. And have all knowledge. I'm the smartest man in the room all the time. And if I have faith and I can move mountains. In other words, you're a miracle worker. But you have not love. Paul said this. I am nothing. Now Paul is not trying to say If you're working miracles, you're nothing. But what he's saying, that it requires both to have significance. And in the world today, and even in the church, we say if you're spectacular, you're powerful, and you're relevant, you're something. I say you can be spectacular, you can be relevant, and you can be powerful and not have a significance in the kingdom of God from God's perspective. Matter of fact, God says, you're not building my kingdom. And therefore, whatever you're building, you're laboring in vain. And on that day, I'm going to test what metal it is. And if it's not built with the mortar of love, it will not hold together when I test it by fire. And then he begins to say, these are the characteristics of love. And so sometimes we say, okay, what does this look like? Practically, what does it look like? What does it look like, people? It's right here, black and white. Love is patient. Patient means that it doesn't give up easily. What does it look like? Love is willing to endure under intense pressure and pain now the king james says long suffering i think we need to go back and reclaim that archaic king james term because patience we go well i'll just a little bit no long suffering defines itself you suffer for a long long time Just to humor me, guys, I'm getting a little feedback, and I need to, do I need to go somewhere or be somewhere? Go on back? Okay. Is that better? Everybody repeat with me. Long, long, long long Long. suffering. means you suffer a long time. And so if... Eric, Eric said to me this week, we really need to know what it looks like. This is what it looks like. Suffering for a long period of time. That's what love looks like. Love is kind. So it's demeanor. It's the voice of, Quality is not a harshness. Because when we get into these times of these reconciliation processes, what we do is we go, I want to reconcile with you. Yeah, right. And by that, what I mean is I've got an issue with you, bud. And you got some stuff to deal with. No, what it means is that it's very kind. In other words, there is a tenderness, In which I approach you, and I watch my demeanor, and I watch my voice, voice tone, even the way my eyes look at you. I mean, you know, you can have eyes of compassion, or you can have eyes like—it's called the death ray. (laughs) Yeah, you know what I want to do. Yeah, yeah, I got my concealed. Carry permit, too. I want you to know that, too, as we go through this reconciliation meeting. You don't say the right thing. I will be the hand of the Lord. (laughs) Love endures and suffers for a long time. And even in the face of hostility, it responds in kindness. It is not jealous. Well, they hurt me, and look at them. They look like they're getting away with everything. What they got is what I should have had. Those dirty, rotten scoundrels. Again, sometimes we think that by God giving somebody something to somebody else, somehow He took it away from us. And for years, and I've got to stop making that declaration about Newcastle. But Newcastle has been kind of that way, that they if somebody else succeeds, we've just got to kind of cut them down to size. Hello. Because if somebody starts getting above everybody else, well, we're going to, well, aren't they something? Don't they think they're something? And then we start trying to find fault. I tell you what, a culture of the kingdom, when some, God starts exalting someone, there's always a first fruits. Don't you understand that it's because if there's a, someone that's a breaker, that breaks through, that means somebody else can, and a third and a fourth and a fifth. So when we see somebody blessed beyond where you're at right now, let them be a forerunner and pave the way. Why try to destroy them and bring them back down? Why don't you say, hey, brother, throw a rope down here. I like the atmosphere up there. Go ahead and pull me up with you. Amen. Amen. Our country is, is just turned upside down. It has that same thing right now going on. And it's nothing but a root of envy and jealousy. But love never is envious over what somebody else has. As if that should have been mine. And I bet you the way you got it, you stole it. You had to get it that way. You had to have gotten that wealth. You had to have gotten that position because you knew somebody. You didn't deserve it. And this envy and jealousy and strife, we've got to get this. Anybody that gets anything didn't deserve what they got. So who cares if somebody, they knew somebody and their daddy or their granddaddy or their uncle gave them the job? Guess what? Thank God they got a job. Yeah. Amen. And as you rejoice, maybe your father will look on you, your father in heaven, look upon you and saying, "Guess what? They don't have that petty spirit about them that is jealous and envy." They can steward more than what they're stewarding now. I'm going to promote them. It is not envious. It is not jealous. It is not arrogant. It is not proud. It is not rude. It is not self-seeking. The focus isn't about me. And so in the context of the community is how can we serve you? do you need something how can i help you not how can i use you because i'm self-seeking and i'm trying to build my platform my kingdom how about we just every place we go we're always looking to the eyes of the lord and we're serving other people to make them great how can i serve you how can i help you where do you want to go how can i get you to where you need to go can i be of service to you and guess what? It's called paying it forward and it will come back. You do reap what you sow. If you bless, I guarantee you, the greater one will bless you in return. It is not self-seeking. It's not easily angered. Now, all the rest of these are easy that's why I can preach him with such confidence. But let's just keep, skip that easily angered one, right? So this is where I'm going to tell you my story this week. I'm setting up in the stands Friday night at my son's football game. And uh, Jesse has really weathered a storm this season. And uh, he's a, a good athlete, good quarterback, but, you know, it, it's been almost the perfect storm. And uh, they played Yorktown. And we even, it got so bad where he, he was losing so much confidence. I literally, before the game, because normally he goes, does a thing with friends and they, you know, have their things that they do all together before the game, you know. And I said, no, we're going to disrupt that pattern. Come home, I'm going to pray and prophesy over you, and I'm going to anoint you with oil. And uh, because you need to believe that God is for you, not against you. And I'm going to make declarations over you. And uh, you would think that if you score 49 points in a game, you should win the game, right? They scored 49 points and lost the game, 71 to 49. That's why I say football requires 11 people, not just one. But he was having the game of his life. He threw for four touchdowns. He had two others dropped in the end zone, so he could add six touchdowns. He ran for 75 yards, and the anointing of the Lord was upon him. And I declared over him. I declared over him. I anointed him with oil, and I said, God is going to wear you like a glove tonight. And I, I, I was praying in the morning and I got Psalms 129. It says, you know, sons are a heritage of the Lord. It says like an arrow in the hand of a warrior. And it said that the sons will not be brought to shame, but they will contend with their enemies in the game. I said, you're not going to be embarrassed. You're not going to be put to shame because you are the heritage of the Lord. And you're going to contend with your enemies in the gates tonight. And, and it was. But the coach's wife was setting Just about three rows down. And my wife and I have been spending more time in prayer before football games to where we don't wreck our testimony. Not for any outcome of the game, because some of the games we knew what the outcome was going to be. If you don't have a line, you have receivers that drop the ball, you don't have a running game, and you don't have a defense. Ushers, can you escort him out? (laughs) Where's the love? I was going to be not rude. I wasn't going to be rude. I was going to be more gentle. It doesn't always work out right. But the coaches, and, and he threw a completion on a wide receiver screen, which requires the other wide receiver to block to get the other receiver open to run. So it's a... You step back one, you throw it, and so it's the first read, you hit it, and the guy's got to set a block, and then you run. He completed a pass, perfect pass, and the other wide receiver did not make the block, so the kid was tackled right at the line of scrimmage. And the coach's wife, she screamed out, Jesse! Now, I want you to know, I... I felt something. <laughs> it wasn't the Lord, <laughs> but it was an anointing, and it was an unholy anointing. And before I knew it, I said, Jesse. He threw it where he was told to run the play. So, like I said, we're going to skip that not easily angered part. (laughs) I tell you what. I couldn't enjoy the rest of the game. Oh, I I did. I was going, yeah, great! Thank God he didn't get sacked. They completed another pass. Oh, great! Great throw. Oh yes, good job running the ball. With the Holy Spirit up there on the bleacher. And and you know this this year I've had to even leave the bleachers to go down by the fence and pray. And I just tell the families that know me, know I'm a pastor, I just got to go on my prayer walk. (laughs) Go on my prayer walk. I'll be back. When I feel heaven is back in here, I'll come back up and sit down. But I don't want to lose my testimony. But I lost my testimony. And the Holy Spirit's up there telling me, saying, you go down there to Mrs. Broughton, and you apologize to her. You know what my first response was? No, Lord. no. Yeah. Yes, There's this reservoir of the grace and love and truth of God in me, and then there's this other reservoir called the pride of Lynn Ferrell. And I started drinking from that reservoir. I don't have to do that. That was a stupid thing. She needs to be sensitive to who she's around. She's up here with a bunch of people's parents, what does she know about football? (laughs) I probably should go give her a football lesson, talk to her about drops and first reads, how that he completed the pass, he did his job, why didn't you yell at the young man who didn't make the block? If you're going to scream a name, get the name right. I just kept drinking, and the Holy Spirit kept on going. Boom, kidney, kidney shot. Oh! He kept on pounding on me. He's saying, you hypocrite. You get up there and preach on love. You don't think that, you even said the plumb line gets dropped beside you. You don't think you have to live, Len, in a very practical way? Well, let me think about it, Lord. Let me think about it. it. It would be a difficult moment here in the middle of all these people to apologize to Mrs. Broughton. Why don't I just wait until maybe after the game? Or maybe I could call her by phone, where I don't have to look her straight in the eyeballs. Even when she's mad, because, boy, I could tell you, when I... Is for some reason, my voice carries. And I could tell when I said that to her, man, she just, and she was talking to her friend. <laughs> you know, I knew she heard me and I wanted it to be heard. I was up in that upper elevation. I wanted to boom down on her. And what I was saying is, you shut your mouth, woman. I've, I've been in this school system for a year. I've heard your mouth run so much and somebody needs to finally shut it down. And I just did it. <laughs> oh, Lord of mercy. Well, after the Lord winnowing me down to size by causing His Word to just get stuck in my face... And I looked at his word and said, I have sinned against her and against you. And I prayed before we came, God, I want my testimony to still stand in the midst of this adversarial time. Because there's nothing more toxic than a bad team that's going through a bad season And parents are all just, they hate the coaches, and the coaches hate them, and everybody blames other players. Look, they're not doing their job. They're lazy. They don't run their routes. And I get into some of that. I went down, and I sat beside her. I said, Mrs. Broughton. And she said, and who are you? And I wanted to remain anonymous. <laughs> I actually thought about dropping a false name. <laughs> no, not really. <laughs> I said, uh, I'm Lynn Furrow. I'm Jesse's father. And I said, I barked at you uh, about 10 minutes ago. And I said, I'm a Christian, and that was totally improper for me to do that. And I said, would you please, I did say that, would you please forgive me? That is not consistent with my character. And I said, I am in a process of learning to manage my emotions, and one of those is anger. And I said, and she goes, well, she said, I know it's been a frustrating time for all of us. And I said, yeah, it's been frustrating. And I said, you know, it was an instinctive thing. I wanted to defend my kid. but That's not an excuse. This is where the end of it. She made a couple cutting things to me, but that's beside the point. She did try to jab me back. And, uh, but again, it, I felt that anointing again. And I, yeah, yeah, it was the unholy one, the unholy anointing where I, it was the bait of Satan out there and she made a couple jabs and I didn't respond. I just said, well, I want you to know that again, I came down here to let you know I apologize for my behavior, which was not proper. She tried to justify what she did. And uh, I didn't react or respond to that. And then she said, well, this is something that is monumental. She said, my husband has coached here for 40 years, and we won't talk about that, for 40 years, <laughs> 40 years. He's been either an assistant or he's been like the the head coach for. Nobody send him this, okay? Would you? Nobody send him the podcast. If you have an offense with me, please, I'll I'll, we'll deal with it. Just don't don't use this for blackmail. (laughs) Not for my sake, for Jesse's sake. (laughs) But he's been like the head coach for thirty eight years. He was an assistant for two. Been head coach for thirty eight years. She said, this is the first time in 40 years anybody, and she said, I've been called about everything. My husband has been called about everything. She said, this is the first time in 40 years anyone has ever come down and apologized for anything that they said. You know, I walked back and I went, God, thank you. Because I know that now she's in a process because God's going to deal with her about saying maybe I'm shooting off my mouth in front of parents of kids that are pouring out their heart for a stupid football game. But maybe I left her with something where God can speak to her and then guess what I felt like I grew on the inside and saying I didn't want to do it but I am so glad I did we're gonna to have to stop because it's noon and we didn't get through everything but like usual that's the way it goes I want you to uh, and maybe uh, at another time and it won't be next week or the week after we um, because of agendas, but next time we come, I do want to go through the reconciliation process. But I, again, ask you to immerse yourself into 1 Corinthians 13 and study those characteristics because that is what, when we say, this is what love looks like, this is love in action. It's not going to be easily angered, and if it is, then it takes care of what anger has done immediately and you know again it's not rude it's gentle and many people even the fruit of the spirit in galatians where it says love joy many scholars believe that paul was saying you know the fruit of the spirit is love and then the attributes of love is joy peace patience gentleness kindness and so study that passage as well. So as you're going through life and getting bumps and bruises, and there are some that can be easily dealt with, but then there's also those stumbling blocks. I mean, you know, there are people in our life that, I mean, we've just stumbled over them in a major way. That it requires a more intense focus. Those are the worst case scenarios And God's word informs us and speaks to us how we walk through that. And again, in walking through that process, our heart stays pure and we mature in love. But then it also puts them in a place where God is able then to deal with them. Right? Which is what we want. We don't want to deal with it. Right? We don't want other people to deal with it, at least most of the time. We really want God who is just, who knows how to correct to where, you know, it won't be an unjust punishment or discipline that comes. But when we do it right, what we're doing is we position the person who is a stumbling block, who is who is the offender. It puts them in a position where God says, you did it my way. You did it the way of love. And now you've put it into my hands where I can deal with it. Okay, let's pray. Will you stand with me? Thank you, Lord. Now, if next week Jesse is kicked off the football team, I may want to extend and clarify my remarks. No, just kidding. (laughs) Let's pray. Father, we love you. And I thank you that you love us. And we could not have even declared that we love you unless you would have first filled us and changed our lives by the power of your love that you gave first. And so, Father, I just pray that as you are a lover first, you don't wait. You don't wait and see whether love can be rendered to you. You love first. God, let us be a people that love first. And that knowing that if we love first, it is a preemptive strike against the power of hell. Because love never fails. It always works. Whenever it is used, whenever it is activated, whenever it releases, it sets in motion a power of God that cannot be resisted, but it will win. It will always manifest your will and your victory whenever it's used in any context. God, I ask that as you continue to just marinate us in this season where you're speaking over us, I have great things for you, New Covenant. I am positioning you. I I I am preparing you. But I am enlarging your maturity so that you can handle in the future what will be required to steward my power. Father, I ask you, God, let us see the big picture. Let us see what's at stake. And God, we just pray that we're willing to go through this boot camp and this basic training where you drill us and drill us over and over and over again, putting us through different drills to where we make sure that it's, it's not something that is not instinctual. But after you drill us so many times with tests of love, God, it becomes our first response Not the one that we search for after we've blown it. You always love first, God. And Father, I thank you for that. Draw us, and God, even now, you have tailor-made, I know, this message for every one of us. There are people that have wounded us and hurt us, but God, I pray that we would see the value of that relationship to see it reclaimed that not, you said that not one of your disciples would be lost. God, you don't want us to have an ever-shrinking sphere of influence of relationships. But God, you want us to have a multitude of family and friends. And by that unity, there is that display of your glory. God, heal us. Heal us. Heal us by the power of your love, and then let us become a healer. Let us become a peacemaker, a wall builder, a bridge builder, in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. Bless you today. Eric, do you want a steward?
1: Amen. Um, I just as we are going to open up the altar ministry team for prayer but one thing that I felt even as Lynn was praying there at the end I really want to challenge you to look around this congregation at the people that are missing because you know to be honest with you there are people that are missing because of the very thing that he just preached they've been hurt they've been misunderstood or they've been not loved well And it breaks my heart that there are many that aren't even here today because of that. And many of us don't even notice those faces gone because we're not loving well. And so I just pray today that you will look around the congregation and maybe reach out to some of those who have been hurt, who are wayward, who are maybe um, disconnected, and that we would begin to love them better. Can I have an amen on that? And if you need prayer today or maybe you're even here today and you're wanting to receive Christ even this morning as the lover of your soul, we want to love you well and help you in your journey with the Lord. Or maybe you're here today and the Lord's just convicted you in your heart as as Lynn walked through that journey so wonderfully with us today of what love looks like and how easy it is to fail. Maybe you're needing to just repent before the Lord. Maybe you're needing to get on your face before God. We're going to keep music playing. The altar ministry team is going to be up here to pray. And if the, so if you would, team, just go ahead and come up here, and we're just going to release. If you don't need prayer, you can just feel released just take your conversation outside the sanctuary. But if you need to do business with the Lord, if you want to pray, you can come down at the altar and we will leave you alone but if you need minister t- ministry time the altar ministry team will pray for you but God bless you get in 1 Corinthians 13 and let's start taking the ball down the field amen love you guys god bless and
0: you will be you have seen